Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram is our regular personal finance guru. He is a personal financial advisor. He is an executive director at Galileo Capital. Now, if you're in a fortunate enough position to have enough money for yourself and for your needs, Warren, you may then want to be looking at future generations. You may want to be investing money for children or grandchildren, or if your name is Mozepo or Oppenheimer uh, or Rupert or any one of the others, you may want to be going even further than that. But how do you invest for future generations of your family is it something different to the way in which you behave when you think about your own retirement absolutely different uh, i think there um there are a whole new kind of set of considerations that you that you have to think about and and also um, you know, most importantly time frames change fundamentally you, you know so for for someone who's really young you know let's say 46 years old like me um, you, you, your, your time horizon as an investor for yourself is, uh, you know, another 30, 40 years, uh, you know, and, and if you're really lucky, maybe 50 years. But, but beyond that, you don't need to worry too much about what's going to happen because, you know, your life will run out before your money. But if you're worrying about, uh, well, not worrying, but if you're considering investing for children or grandchildren, or as you say, if you're one of the Motsepes or Oppenheimers, uh, you know, for your children's children's children, then your time frame extends from 50 years to, you know, to, to potentially 100 years. And, and that opens up a range of new possibilities. It also opens up a, a range of new risks to think about. But, but the first big thing for me always is, you know, time horizon, um, and, and time horizon is basically how, how long you invest your money for. It, um, it dictates how much risk you can take with your money. So if your time horizon is 50 years, for example, that, that means you really don't need to worry about generating an income stream. You don't need to worry about earning interest. What, what you're really trying to do is make sure that your, your capital for, for those generations will grow. Um, and that means that you can take you know, significantly more risk. You, you're just not worrying about, uh, about you know, the short term. And, and short term in this instance is 10 or 20 years. So, so for those kinds of uh, of investors, they're they're looking at things. You know, de- definitely the stock market becomes a big part of their lives. But also, you know, they, they tend to take a, kind of a different view on life. In other words, they might buy. You'll find some some of these families buying things like forest land and farmland. Uh, you know, um, both in their home country and and overseas, because those are assets which are scarce. And which you know, you know, over time might generate a good income stream, but certainly in the short term might not be productive for for investors at all. And then those are also typically the families that are, you know, putting money into things like you know Tesla when it starts out and Amazon when it's starting out. You know, so, so they're they're much more prone to buy private investments that might one day list and might one day become big, you know, big listed companies, but in the short term are very risky, but but, but potentially generate a huge amount of growth. So, yeah, I, I think huge difference. I mean, you helped me out do a calculation a couple of years ago, and this is slightly dated now. I haven't used this example for a long time. But I operated on the basis that, you know, South Africa left the Commonwealth in 1961. And I wondered, had somebody who'd been born on the day that South Africa left the Commonwealth, had their parents taken a thousand rand and um, invested it onto the JSE, into the all-share index on that at that time, 
what that money would be worth. And we came to this uh, calculation of quite extraordinary growth over that period of time because uh, not only is the money compounded, but the economy has changed, the economy has grown, the economy has diversified, the economy is uh, has been nothing short of remarkable. Well, markets have been nothing short of remarkable in often dysfunctional economic times. And, you know, the, those returns since 1961 have been spectacular. I'm, I'm so glad you didn't ask me what they were because I've forgotten. And, uh, I'm getting – I'm, right. I'm, 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 I'm actually – I was hoping that you would admit to that. And I'm going to say to you, so what is the number then over nearly 60 years <laughs> um, of, of returns on a 1,000 rand, which uh, you know, in terms of time value of money, it's a lot of money actually. In, in terms of today's value, it will be worth closer to 75,000 rand. Um, and that money has been invested through thick and thin, been left alone – um, uh, it would be worth seven and a half, eight million rand today, courtesy of the fact of time and compounding and growth of underlying assets. You wouldn't have had to do anything to it. You would have just left it in the index. And and, and that's the magic of of, of the JSE, right, or, or, or any stock market index for that matter, is, you, you know, you're not trying to be cleverer than, than the market and all the fund managers and analysts and stockbrokers and everyone else who trying to second guess where things are going you just simply buy the market and and uh, you know on the understanding that you'll be buying some of the businesses that are are not doing well at the time and and some that are that may be babies but might become giants and there'll be some giants that will continue to be giants and you end up owning all of them and and, and benefiting from the hard work of of their you know their employees and their CEOs and their management teams doing doing their but uh, to, to grow the businesses and and that's that's a magic example I, I mean I love it and, and I think, you know, for, for investors in this kind of a situation, the, the one other consideration is just you need to think about where everyone might be one day. You know, and I think that that's a big trick with this is, you know, when you're investing for 50 to 100 years, we, we need to know, you know, kids are kind of global. You know, they, 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 they want to travel. They want to work in other places. They want to see what's going on. Uh, and, and, yes, they might settle there or they might settle back here. But, but if they're going to spend time and money, in other countries, you have to have your 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 investments in those uh, countries as well, uh, and and then secondly, just you know, you just don't know where the world's going to grow one day. You know, if you had asked someone in the sixties, you know, you, using your example, if you had said to them, you know, what do you think will be the second biggest economy in the world by, by value, and what what will be you know the best performing stock market by value, um, you know, or one of the best performing stock markets by value, and what do you think will be one of the most capitalist societies in the world, they wouldn't have said China. Uh, Absolutely and, and, not. You know, no. Any kind of prediction there, you know, if you'd made that prediction, people would have thought you were, you know, smoking something or you know, on the magic mushrooms or whatever it was at the time. And and so I think uh, you know, spreading your 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 eggs across many baskets and in, 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 you know, as a as an investor in this kind of a position makes huge sense. You know, certainly to get growth, but but also secondly to manage risk. And I think you know, we we we've lived through enormous risk in this country. Uh, and and it's been very rewarding for investors, you know, who, who've stayed the course, as you pointed out. But but there are quite a few heart attacks along the way and, and enormous anxiety. Uh, and I feel, you know, one of the ways to manage that is just, you know, keep 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 money um, in your home country, but also spread it. You know, make sure that you're you're profiting from from good markets out there, but also diversifying risk from your home your home market. And, and to me, that's the thing that you know the parents and grandparents need to think about is. You know, you're not here to worry about the next 10 or 20 years. You have to worry, you know, much further down the road. And there's so many opportunities. You know, don't be conservative in your thinking and and narrow in, in that, you know, you, you know what the world looks like. The, the truth is, 
in 50 years from now, most of our predictions about what the world will look like will be fundamentally wrong. And, and, and so, you know, if you're humble enough to know that, uh, that means you open your mind to enormous amount of opportunity. Okay, so just very broadly, I mean, you, do you have to worry at this stage of jurisdictions and where the money should be onshore, offshore, whether it should be in dollars or pounds or whether it should be in cryptos or, or what the case should be? Um, or do you simply take the position that you, you put it in your home market, you buy a basket of assets from your home market and you let future generations make the choices to where they realize that profit, that gain at some point in the future? I, I definitely would worry about jurisdictions. I, I think, uh, you know, one thing that, uh, that that life has taught us as investors is, uh, you know, unpredictability um, of, of markets, economies and politicians is, is something you have to, you have to bank on. In fact, you have to know that that is what's going to happen. We, we will, as, inve- as investors, be investing in times where where politicians are going crazy, you know, just just look at America under Trump, uh, and and so you know if you're going to do that, then make sure that your money lives. Uh, it definitely does, you know, you have, some of your money lives in your home jurisdiction, um, but, but certainly you need money in other jurisdictions as well, and and just make sure that you know you, you understand that your 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 money will will outlive you, and that means you know it needs to be in jurisdictions where where it's not going to pay tax twice. Uh, you, you know, so for example, a lot of Americans, uh, you know, well, people are kind of really fixated on America. So, you know, as a South African, you put your money in America, thinking you've done a great job for for your your future generations. But Americans just say, "Thank you very much. We'll take forty percent of the profits you've made here." Uh, you, you know, for for the benefit of being in our country as an investor, and and you know that's crazy. So, so definitely, you you, you need to get uh, you know tax tax efficiency, which means you only pay tax in your home country. I, I think that makes sense. And, and secondly, that you, you're managing the risks of, of, you know, politicians going crazy. And I think, you know, I, I think finding well-regulated jurisdictions, very typically just to give basics, would be a place like Switzerland, you know, Ireland, Luxembourg, uh, you know, the Channel Islands, um, any of those, you know, that, that have a long history, sometimes more than a thousand year history of, of good regulations protecting investors. You know, that, that makes sense to me. Okay. Thank you, Warren Ingram. Uh, A question from Marcel this evening. I'm a 35-year-old mom of two. My husband and I are working toward our financial freedom. We've accumulated some debt in the form of a home loan, vehicle finance, and two credit cards. We would like to, we would start off by becoming debt-free. What's the best approach to paying off our debt? I'm not sure if it's wise to stop the monthly contributions to our retirement annuities and tax-free savings investments to pay off our debt. My concern with this is that I'll be missing out on time in the market. Good question, Marcel. Uh, Please help. That help coming in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So Marcel and her husband want to be debt-free as soon as possible. They've got some debt, some regular sort of debt, car finance, mortgage debt, some credit cards. They want to pay off the debt as soon as possible. Do they suspend payments into their investments in order to more quickly pay off that debt? It's a great question, Warren. I love this question. It's it's something that faces a lot of uh, South Africans every day. And so I think just to understand that there, there isn't only one answer to a money problem like this, you know, you, you know, you might find that it's a combination. So it's not just yes or no, you know, debt or investing. Sometimes it's paying off debt and investing. Uh, and so when I look at this um, and I say I see a home loan, vehicle finance and two credit cards, my first thought is the credit cards and the, and the vehicle finance bother me because the likelihood is 
that the credit cards are attracting an interest rate of probably 17 or you know right up to maybe 25 percent somewhere around there uh, and unfortunately there are no investments in the world that are guaranteed to grow at that kind of a rate so you know even if you had the best investment in your tax-free savings account it, there's just no chance that you can guarantee yourself that it grows at you know 17 20 percent a year uh, and and so to me, I, I, I would I would focus hugely on on getting those credit cards paid down absolutely as fast as possible. I, I'm, I would be very happy to suspend any investing um, a, a, until that's done. I'm certainly not saying sell the investments that you've got. I think just to be really clear, you know that, that that's a different decision. But uh, but paying off the credit cards before you do any more investments, definitely. Vehicle finance is a bit of a tricky one because sometimes you know the banks. Um, I nearly said a bad word there, but they, but they charge too much on car finance, and in in which case, yes, you need to pay that off as well. And my view, too much is anything over seven percent a year. So you know, if you're being charged ten or twelve percent a year on your car finance, then yes, you need to pay that off as well and and get it done as fast as possible, and then try not to finance cars again. The home loan. You can be a just, bit sorry, sorry, just on that car financing, just be careful of the contract and what penalties may be in place. I don't know if, if car finance still has those penalties in place. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. You might know. Uh, but be careful, if, you know, there may be a penalty for paying off too soon because you've entered into a contract to pay off over a specific period of time. That's actually 100%. I, I, should, have, I should have mentioned that. Thanks, Bruce. Look at, I, I look think, at me. Um, Useful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> And you, and you don't even like to finance cars. So, uh, so, so I feel um, in, in a situation like this, make sure that you ask the questions. You're right. You know, just get the quotes uh, to, to find out what happens if you pay off you know, extra money every month or lump sums uh, and, and don't get caught out unawares. Uh, but definitely something to focus on if that interest rate is high. Um, if, you, if you look at your home loan, you can be a little bit more patient. I think definitely with a home loan, you can say, you know, yes, I need to pay it off faster. And I think that that's a very sensible thing to do. But you can, you know, you can also um, invest as well. So, so to do the two at the same time. And, and, you know, you could do it very simply to say, well, you know, I've got an extra thousand rand a month. So, you know, let me put 500 into the home loan and 500 into my investments. You know, so, so go Harvey's if, you, if, you, if you've got, you've got that position. Um, in terms of what you choose, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I like to split those contributions to to my RA and my tax-free, you know, to make sure that I'm getting advantages from both. So, so no, you know, I don't really have a huge preference there. Obviously, there are limits. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but there are limits as to how much you can contribute to each of those. So just be careful that you don't over-contribute uh, to an RA where you get no real tax benefit or make sure that you don't over-contribute to your tax-free because then SARS takes 40% of the over-contributions. And that works out at thirty-six thousand a year is the maximum you can put into your tax-free. But, but you know, definitely, Marcel, if I'm in your position, I'm um, I'm looking at those credit cards. I'm hating those, and I'm going to do everything I can to get sure. them done and out of my life as fast as possible. And then vehicle finance with the terms and conditions Bruce chatted about, and then hit the home loan a bit faster, and and then you know get investing again and 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 get going to your financial freedom. Final question for you: um, What is listed? property it's something you talk about often it's something it's an asset class that has come under a huge amount of pressure in uh, the last 18 months or so um so what is listed property so it seems like a you know we we have an affinity in in, in south africa and for property as an investment and it's something all our parents grandparents gen- generally tell us you know don't pay off the landlord's mortgage pay off your own bond and you know don't, don't be a, a renter be an owner 
Uh, and, and I generally don't like that argument at all. That, that's a different show, a different topic for a different show. But, but I do think that, uh, you know, property companies, that, that, and these are ones that own most of the big shopping centers, most of the big office parks, um, most of the big logistics hubs, which is a critical point to understand nowadays, you know, the, we, you know, we all do our online shopping and all of those go through logistics hubs. Uh, the, most of those things are, are, own, are owned by property companies and, and the bulk of property companies are listed on the stock exchange. So, so these are, you know, a way for you to buy property um, as an investment and as an asset class. And then you get a huge amount of diversification because most of these companies don't just own one property or even one type of property. They'll, they'll generally have a blend of, you know, office, retail, uh, logistics, and nowadays even some residential. Um, and, and so you get a, a, a good bit of diversification and, and something that you can buy for the cost of brokerage. In other words, you know, the cost of buying the share and, and one day selling it again. You know, there's no agent's fees, no maintenance involved in maintaining the property, no lawyer's fees, bond registration fees, and all of that stuff. Um, and over time, you do, you know, I know, I know the last three or four years have been a lousy example of, of, of getting returns from property funds because at some points, the property market in South Africa, the listed property market's been down by half. And, and that's a horrific uh, ride to, to, to participate in. But over decades, uh, the, the property market does give you good growth, capital growth, inflation beating growth, and also, um, you know, you, you get to earn some income. So, so listed property, a good asset class, certainly not the thing that you put all your money into. It is a diversifier. You need other assets as well. But, but a good place to go if you want to buy a property and, and, you, and you hear my point on not, not, not buying physical property. Thank you. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital, Executive Director at Galileo Capital and a certified financial planner. He is our regular contributor on a Thursday night when it comes to personal finance.